Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you guys. Um, whew, that song gets me, man. Um, there's a lot of history with that song for this church, and uh, it was risky singing it before coming up here, I'll tell you that. Um, but, you know, there's a lot going on today, and uh, first of all, like, happy Father's Day uh, to all you dads out there, or um, father figures, or whatever role you might be playing in, in people's lives. Um, everyone needs a dad. It's that simple. <laughs> and, uh, and so what I want to do before um, we get into the message is actually pray for all the dads. And so um, if you're a, actually, if you're just a guy in the room, uh, or maybe you'll be a man someday. So uh, any male in the room, uh, you know, in 1 Timothy 2, it talks about um, men raising their hands in prayer. And so you can, you can raise your hands this way or however way, but um, just keep your hands open and kind of receive this from, from God. So let's pray. God, today we uh, celebrate dads. We celebrate father figures. Um, we celebrate men who have stepped in to fill a need. Um, maybe you've been, a, as Lacey would say, a bonus dad or mentor in some kind of way. We pray over all the men in this room that have gladly taken on the responsibility uh, of being a father, giving their sons an example to live up to, uh, their daughters an example of what they should look for in a man. Uh, we celebrate, God, those that are running this race really well. Uh, the men who look to Jesus as their ultimate example of what it means to be a man, to be humble, um, forgiving, gentle, courageous, resilient, full of grit, um, sensitive, willing to cry, and uh, live a life known for how well they, they have loved, um, not by what they've achieved. God, we lift up the men in this room that know they didn't fully do it right when they had the chance and wish they could go back now and now that they know what they know, um, God, today that we... Um, that they would feel your grace, your love, your mercy, your forgiveness for those that still have an opportunity to make things right. Um, God, that they'd have the humility to step forward in the way that you would want them to. God, for the young men in this room to be encouraged, to be challenged by this community of men, to look for Look for the light in the midst of what is seemingly so much darkness around this, because um, there's a lot of light here, and that our young men here in this room and that are part of this church will just have so many guys to look up to that value the right things. God, that all of us as men would have deep conviction um, that we're not meant to be passive, but we're meant to be engaged, growing faith-filled men of God. I also want to pray for those, God, that are simply missing their fathers this morning, um, that they would be flooded with sweet memories, um, memories of joy, um, maybe even in the midst of pain. 
for those that are longing to be a father, God, I pray that this would be a time um, where they sense your comfort and your strength. Um, for those that aren't in a position to be a father yet, God, that they would see this time in their lives to be trained up and disciplined in the ways that you would want them to be. God, for everyone in the room that knows a kid that needs a father, <laughs> um, be willing to step forward in whatever way to show the example that they need to see. And God, that ultimately all of us will look to you as the ultimate father and experience you and know you in the right way. We give this to you in your name. We pray everyone said, amen, amen. Um, a lot of stuff going on today. Um, this is a big Sunday for us for so many different reasons. And, uh, you know, um, we, we celebrate Juneteenth also tomorrow. And um, just so you guys know, like in the lobby, I don't know if you saw it walking in, but um, we had an artist do a mural out there. Her name's Lizzie Brown. She's gonna, actually going to be out there in between services. This is a wonderful, wonderful, did you guys see it? Anyone see it when you walked in? Yeah, just a wonderful, wonderful um, depiction of what we should be celebrating. And if you have time, like read what she wrote and everything. It should be out there. So hug on her. I don't know if she's a hugger, but I don't know. Maybe give her a hug or high five or, or something. Um, and uh, just say thank you um, for just making that great. I mean, it's truly, it's, it's, uh, it's an inspiring piece of art. Um, we've been in this uh, series now for a few weeks called Something is Happening, where we're looking at uh, the reality of um, revival in the land and the spirit of God moving. And we're taking a look at the book of Acts. And uh, we've been in that. And, and I had this list uh, months ago about what we wanted to talk about. And, and God's been stirring some different things like in, in my heart throughout this series. Or, or maybe someone mentioned something. I'm like, oh, man, that's it. Like even we're going to sing the song, The Goodness of God, after uh, the sermon. And, and Natalie had actually mentioned that. Um, this past week and, and really shifted uh, a piece of my sermon content um, based on her a suggestion of the song. And uh, it, it reminded me of a time I was having a conversation with our five-year-old Ruby. Um, this was probably about a year ago or so. And, and uh, we were praying and, and we said, amen. And she goes, what does that mean? And, uh, and I was like, oh, I was like, you know, it, it, it kind of means like you, you agree with what you just said. And she goes, but I just said it. And I was like, yeah, but you, you agree that God can do it. And she's like, oh, okay. And uh, I was like, you know, like what adults might say is like, so be it, right? Or um, this is true. Or there's an element, uh, even the Hebrew word of amen, uh, it, there's an element of faith to that word. Like that there, you are in agreement that God can do. And, like, and so like, even when we say the word amen at the end of the prayer, sometimes we just kind of like, it's over, right? Uh, amen. Some, sometimes it's long prayers and you're glad you said amen, amen, right? Um, but the reality is, is even that word amen is like a powerful word. It's like really powerful. Like what you're ending, you're like, I agree, so be it. Um, what was just prayed, this is good, is what's happening like in, in this moment. And so um, I've been thinking a lot about that idea of something being good because uh, right now, uh, culturally, uh, it's fascinating what we determine is good, right? Um, a lot of times it's based off emotion or uh, like something feels good and we think, oh, this must be good, right? Just because something feels good doesn't mean it's good. Right. You guys should be like, agreed, right? Just, be some, just because something looks good doesn't mean it's good, right? How many of you guys dated someone you thought was hot and it wasn't good, right? Yeah, 
right? So just because something looks good doesn't mean it's good. Just because something is legal doesn't mean it's good, right? And so there are things that we've got to understand that, like, just because something feels good, looks good, might be good, I don't know, doesn't mean it's naturally good. But what happens a lot of times right now culturally is we base a lot of what we deem good uh, kind of like on what we feel or... Um, or, or what we determine because we're better than somebody else in some kind of way. So it, it, it must be good. Um, how many guys like delayed gratification? Right? A few of us do, right? The real disciplined people, right? Um, but like, like delayed gratification, is it good? Yes, right, very good, right? It's very good for us, right? Um, but it doesn't feel good on that. So there's, there's kind of like this misconception of what good uh, actually is. And one of the things I wrote down this week is we often make goodness related to moral superiority or comparison. But the Bible sees goodness as the purpose and intent for which something was created. It's a very different way to, to see what good actually is. So this, this idea of something being created for something with with intent like that's how the bible talks about goodness and, and we start seeing like the goodness of god becomes so pivotal and how we begin to uh, experience the presence of god um, and when we're in this uh, book of acts which uh, again if you're not familiar with your bible there's an old and new testament jesus life death and resurrection um, are the hinge point and uh, matthew mark luke and john are the the first four gospels that detail out uh, the life and teaching of Jesus. And this book of Acts is like, man, the, the movement of God, the spirit of God began happening and this thing called the church was established, become part of this story. And, and in this, you know, kind of looked at different elements of the way the spirit of God was moving. And up to this point, here's what started happening. Peter and, and John and all the rest of the disciples, they started preaching and teaching and they uh, started having all these like miraculous signs and wonders of, of stuff happening. And, and the church started to grow. Like, people started hearing this message of Jesus, and they're like, yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. And, and what the Bible starts saying is it started growing by the thousands. And then these thousands of people were going back to their cities and, and talking about this Jesus. And then they were seeing more things happening in their communities. And, like, and guess what? The religious establishment at that time was ticked. Like, they were like... I mean, they were like, truly, like, they were, they were so mad. They were so frustrated because you can imagine, like, they had all the, the attention at one point, right? They had all the authority. They had all the people saying, like, oh, wh what does God say? And everyone was going to these certain groupings of people. But here's this new thing, this spirit of God, this, this church that begins to move. And, and, and all of a sudden, they're jealous and they're envious. And so um, Peter and some of the others had, had just... Um, preached, and um, these religious leaders, uh, known as the Sadducees, um, they find them, and then they beat them and flog them, which is essentially whipping them. So they do all of this, right? They take them in front of uh, all the leaders, and then uh, Peter uh, responds in this incredible way. He says, they're like, what are you going to do? And Peter's response to being beaten and whipped and persecuted and everything, almost brought to death, Peter says this, we must obey God rather than human beings. It's a good start. He says, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as the prince and the savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. 
So there's this moment. Um, he's facing these people who, who want to kill him. And they're like, so what do you say? And he's just like, we, just, we must obey God and not humans. And by the way, you killed him. But he rose again. I mean, come on. Like, that's boldness, as Shaq talked about last week, right? That's courage, to step forward in the midst of this, to be like, this is what it's, it's really about. And so um, the, the Sadducees and the other leaders at that time, they, they look at what Peter's response and the other disciples' response, and they, they line them back up, right? And they beat them again. They whip them again. And they're just bloody messes. In the midst of all of this, how in the world do they have this response? Well, there's only one way. When Peter starts talking about uh, the fact that Jesus came to bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of sin, what he's saying is tying into this larger message about the goodness of God. He's like, man, God has been through all of this stuff. He's been bringing people to a knowledge of who he is. And you can beat us, you can kill us, you can do whatever you want to us. But guess what? We know the goodness of God no matter what suffering, no matter what pain, no matter what season, no matter what we are going through. The goodness of God remains so clear that guess what? We're going to obey him and not you. Do whatever you want. And so they beat them and they whip them. And they all these, I mean, you got, imagine this. Imagine just seeing like um, 11 dudes just all bloody messes in front of you. And here's how he responds. Oops. He says this. <laughs> day after day in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the what? That Jesus is the Messiah. Not bad news, but what kind of news? Good news. Well, it's good news because the goodness of God. And, and so these guys, again, bloody messes. They're like, I can't believe this. And guess what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go talk about Jesus again. And guess what? They're going to, they might beat me again, but guess what I'm going to do the day after that? I'm going to go talk about Jesus again. Because the goodness of God, like, propels me to do this. Like, I know the story. I've, I've heard the story from all my ancestors. And, like, and man, the goodness of God is, like, right before me. And I want everyone to know about the goodness of God. But Peter, you're getting your butt whooped, man. You're bleeding right in, You're, like, bleeding out right in front of us. He's like, I know. But guess what? Tomorrow I'm going to go in the temple courts and tell people about Jesus. Yeah, but, but you might bleed out. You might die. And you're like, well, it's for the right thing, isn't it? Well, what's for the right thing? The goodness of God. They're able to, to see this bigger picture and, and, and see something like that otherwise you wouldn't be able to see. Why? Because the goodness of God. You see, this goodness of God, what is it doing? It's, it's pointing people to like what they were created to be, their purpose and their intent of their lives. And once you start seeing it with, with, with godly eyes, you start seeing the world around you with the right kind of perspective, it's good. It's good. No matter what you're going through, it's, it's good. You might be thinking, not suffering, it's not good. I'm not saying the suffering itself is good. I'm saying you could see the goodness of God at some point in it. Why? Because you know a bigger picture and you see something. You can experience the reality. You can mourn through what you need to mourn through and grieve through what you need to grieve through and celebrate what you need to celebrate through. But man, your perspective is solely focused on the reality of who God is and seeing things the way he wants you to see it. Why? Because the goodness of God. Uh, how many of you guys saw the movie Bruce Almighty like 20 years ago? Actually, probably even longer. I mean, honestly. And... Um, 
I'm going to show a clip from that because there's this uh, uh, a part of the, not yet, there's this part of the, um, of the, the movie where um, Bruce, who's played by Jim Carrey, who used to be a popular actor, and uh, he, um, it's just true, y'all, Gen Z folks in here, like, I don't even know who that is, which is fine, um, but Jim Carrey used to be a popular actor, and he was playing this role where he was kind of an arrogant jerk, and he mistreated Jennifer Aniston, his, um, was it his girlfriend? No, yeah, girlfriend, um, but she wanted to be married, and um, he was an arrogant kind of guy, and like, he, and he kind of makes a essentially this proclamation, like, anyone can be God. Like, if I could be God for a day, I'd change everything. And so it's part of the story. Well, he ends up dying, and then he meets God face to face. And I just want you to see this part, because I want you to see, it's like, I'm reminded of like, oh, when we see, um, when we see through God's eyes, man, the goodness and his goodness, things begin to change. So now we can take a look. Um... Lord, feed the hungry and bring peace to all of mankind. How's that? Great. If you want to be Miss America. <laughs> oh, come on. What do you really care about? <laughs> there's this beautiful moment that transpires there with you know grace he it's like oh i see through god's eyes right and his whole perspective begins to shift um what he desires even for her for someone else well, well why because of the goodness of god it it changes everything now, now when does this whole goodness thing um actually start it starts in genesis chapter one Verse 3 and 4, it says this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and the light was what? Or good, right? And he separated the light from darkness. And then uh, in uh, Proverbs 8, which is a, it's a chapter, uh, if you've ever read this Proverbs, it's, it's essentially uh, wisdom is speaking, okay? It's, it's about wisdom. It's like wisdom is writing this verse. And, and wisdom is saying, is saying this about itself, that the Lord brought me forth at the first of his works, before his deeds of old, and I was formed long ages at the very beginning when the world came to be. So we begin to see, like, all right, then, then what is the goodness, like, what does it actually look like? What, what, what comes out of it, and ultimately with the goodness of God, and it's this. In the goodness of God, we have life. We have intent. 
we have purpose, and we have wisdom. Like, this is what, when you look at the, the Bible, when it says, like, what is the goodness of God? There's, there's life, there's intent, there's intentionality to everything, that there is uh, a purpose, and that there's wisdom. Like, that is the goodness of God. Now, we can ignore that goodness, right? We can, we can decide we're going to go our own way. We're going to live our life what we want to do. And, and we can ignore what, what Jesus taught. And, and we can be like, nah, I'm not going to focus on the good. I'm going I'm to let life just determine my happiness. Um, my circumstances determine how I see God. Uh, or maybe something I've been through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge who God is maybe by like some uh, really bad Christian I met along the way. Whatever. Um, and and you, can, you can do that. You have that option. Like that's free will, right? Um, but here's some realities about if we choose to ignore the goodness of God. Here's what ends up happening. We become insecure. We become insecure. We, we can't find our foundation. And so we run to all these different things to try and find an identity somewhere else. And, and so it could be in whatever. It can be in money. It can be in looks. It can be in friends. It can be in a job. It can be in whatever. You start, you're insecure in, in kind of who you are and your own identity. You have a lack of appreciation. A uh, lack of appreciation. You, you, you miss the good things God does. You miss it. Uh, or you're in something good and all you can do is complain about what it is. Or uh, something, like you can't, you're, you're, you're with some really good people in your life, right? And you can't see it because you're always trying to control them so you can't appreciate really who they are. Or maybe you have a mindset where it's like, man, you, you had this like ideal of what something could be, but it doesn't quite get there. And so rather appreciating the goodness of what you've seen or what you've experienced, you're like, oh, this sucks. And you become very cynical and pessimistic. And it's like, oh, well, what is it? I don't, I'm missing the goodness of God. Uh, you get overwhelmed by life um, really quickly. Uh, we begin to, to see, it's like, oh, man, life's so hard. Life, and can life be hard? Yes. The suffering terrible, yes, like all those things, yes, we get, but we can get overwhelmed really quickly by life when we don't appreciate the goodness of God. And then we have foolish perspective. We just start seeing things through our own eyes. We lose our imagination. We lose our wonder. And uh, as I said earlier, we become more cynical, more pessimistic uh, along all of this. Now, here's what also is true. When we doubt the goodness of Jesus, it's very easy to disobey what he taught. See, when we don't see the reality of the goodness of God, the goodness of, of when Jesus taught, um, when we begin to die, is it really good? And it's so easy to just disobey it because we're just going to want to do what we want to do. And so our focus gets like off-centered and we start seeing things in uh, the wrong way. Now, when we start thinking about this goodness of God and what we see in uh, the book of Acts is like, Man, all these guys have, have and women have uh, something, they have evidence in them, and then they have some evidence that's coming out of them. Simply by the, the experience of this goodness. Paul, one of the other kind of fathers of the Christian faith, uh, in Galatians, he writes this about goodness. He says it's evidence of something that's happening inside of you. It's happening inside of you. That, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, do you ever think about that piece, about, like, goodness? That, that, that's evidence that the Spirit of God is working in you. So think about how Christians, or how non-Christians describe Christians a lot of time. It ain't like goodness. And that should be like a startling thing. Because the fruit of the Spirit would say, 
Well, goodness is, is one of the things that comes out of us. And, and so there's evidence in us, right? And then there's evidence that comes out of us. Peter, who was once beaten, also wrote a, a letter uh, to the early church. And he said it this way. He said, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through, uh, through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, that through his goodness and understanding of his goodness, we begin to participate in the divine nature of God, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. All the threes in the Enneagram, threes in the room are like, yes. Um, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. It's like, oh, when we neglect the goodness of God, um, we're going to go back to what we think of ourselves in terms of like our own sin and forget about what he's done. See, this goodness drives us. This goodness becomes, um, it reshapes our perspective. This goodness allows us to experience the spirit of God and a revival inside of us and then eventually outside of us. Now, what happens is we live, start living in the opposite of the brokenness of this world. So this personal awareness of the goodness of God creates a communal goodness. And it's a pivotal thing, and, and, and we see this all the time throughout Scripture. And, and here's what ends up happening. When the goodness of God starts kind of pouring out of our lives, it's restorative. It creates beauty and light and life. We, we confront chaos and injustice, and then there's a whole worship. There's a whole worship to what we do. Not just singing, like singing is a part of it, but a, a whole worship in all that we are. Like that's what, that's what comes out of us in this goodness. That's what it begins to, uh, to look like inside of us and then outside of us. Now, here's how they kept reflecting back on the goodness of God all the time. Throughout scripture, um, they would have the, these moments where they would gather together and they would begin to, to celebrate the goodness of God. And so no matter uh, how bad things got, they're in the wilderness, right? They're being chased down, they're oppressed, they're enslaved. And, and here's what they do. They would sit down, and, and we see this um, multiple times throughout Scripture. And this ended up coming out in a lot of their festivals and feasts that they would have in, in Jewish culture. And they would, they would begin to tell their kids the story of how God has always provided they would tell the kids the story of like, hey, when we were in the wilderness, God like rained down manna and we were able to eat. When we were in, like when we were, Pharaoh was coming after us, God like rescued us through the parting of the seas. And so they would celebrate these things and remind themselves all the time of the goodness of God and how he always comes through. Remind him of the promises. And it's like, man, you thought it wasn't going to happen. You thought um, it was the worst. But, you, but I'm telling you, do you remember what God has always done? Do you remember his promises about the goodness and it became to shape the community how many of you guys have done one of the deuteronomy dinners that we do uh, throughout time the heart behind the deuteronomy dinners is simply to talk about the goodness of god to remind one another about the goodness of god to reflect on the story of what he's done i read this passage in uh, first chronicles that are all in night uh, and i want to share this one uh, with you guys too First Chronicles 15, uh, 
David is talking about, he tells this long story um, as they're celebrating the presence of God. And he's talking about this long story uh, about what God has always done, what God has always promised, and how he's always come through. He says, let the trees of the forest sing, let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? Good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God, our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. And the word glory uh, means the, the weight, to feel the weight of something. Like you feel like, like you're in like the moment and you feel the weight of the moment. It's like, I want to give thanks because we understand what's happening. Like in this moment, I want you to feel the weight of it. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said what? Amen. And what? Amen and praise the Lord. When I was reflecting on this for the all-in night and began to share um, some things that are happening in the church, uh, I was reflecting on um, this September will be nine years uh, uh, that we'll celebrate being a church. Um, nine years of God's goodness. Uh, nine years of um, seeing so many transformative things. And to that I would say amen and what? Praise the Lord. You know, uh, the song Oceans that we sang earlier, uh, in 2013, we sat in a church in Chicago, and uh, we're doubting, were we making the right decision? And uh, in that moment, uh, Oceans started playing. We had not heard it before. It, um, it wasn't being played by every church in the world at that point in time. And uh, we had just heard it for the very first time, and we were in this season of just praying and, and doubting, and, and honestly, like, a little bit of fear had started to creep up. And this song starts playing, and Lace and I are just like, <laughs> just bawling right? That's why I said it was like, it was a dangerous song to sing this morning, because I can't sing that without getting incredibly emotional. And, um, and so, you know, we look at one another, and we're like, I, we, I think we should do this. I'm like, I think we should do this. And like, it just, it became this pivotal moment, and to that I would say, amen, and what? Praise the Lord. In 2014, we um, had thought that we were going to meet at Albert Hill Middle School. We had everything like planned out, um, how we're going to like work with the teachers and how we're going to help the school and the teachers and the uh, administration was so excited about us coming to be there. And so we have our final meeting with the principal and uh, we sit down and uh, we're about to tell them all the tens of thousands and eventually hundreds of thousands, if not more, um, of money that we're going to help give to this school and help, help the school. And uh, by just simply being there, and, uh, and as we sit down and I lean over to Lace and I go, it's not happening. There's like this, this presence in the room that we just knew. And the principal looks at us and she goes, I'm so sorry, you guys, but we can't do this. We're just a few months out of um, having our first service, which is really great for a church that's about to start. And, uh, and so we have no home wondering where we're going to go. I happen to know, uh, and I was speaking at an event, and this guy named Rob, who was on staff here, uh, or I'm sorry, he was on the board here at um, U-Turn, he goes, hey, um, we've got an area if you guys want it. It's, it's pretty small um, where we, you could use it. It hasn't been touched in a long time. Um, the kids' areas um, might need to be condemned, but you can come. And... Uh, <laughs> We'll give you a really good deal. And, uh, and so uh, we came over and we walk upstairs um, and there were, there were parts of the upstairs that literally had inches of dust um, because it just hadn't been uh, touched. It had ceiling tiles falling down. Um, when we pulled down some of the t ceiling tiles, dead rats like came out and, um, and it's our four-year-old room now. And, um, and so um, and what ended up happening was we, we, we prayed and we worked, and uh, we painted, and we were laying floor, we're doing all these things. We had, we had people, like, um, walking this facility. We have all these prayer times, and I shared this with um, 
about all in night. Uh, Anne Louise, um, I don't know if she's in this one or, or uh, she'll be in the next one. Uh, Anne Louise Todd, we were all, like, everyone's like walking around the building praying and, and we all come, come back together to pray and we're like, where's Anne Louise? And I don't remember who said it. it. was like, I don't know, I just came from outside and she was up in a tree praying. And they're like, okay. But people are up in trees praying for like this space and laying hands on, on the building, like wanting to see what God was going to do. See like this transformative thing that was going to happen. We're telling story and it's like to that I would say amen <laughs> through the nine years we, we started to see um, a lot of stuff happen uh, we've seen miracles happen there, there there's a miracle that happened recently in our church that I can't wait to share um, I'm not at liberty to share just yet but I can't wait to share um, about a physical healing that has happened and um, we've seen other miracles happen of people being healed um, physically we've seen uh, marriages restored which have been miracles um, that you never thought would be you've seen people take a uh, turn away from the reality of who they were and what they desired and the miracle of the spirit of God working and transforming their lives and to that I would say amen and what praise the Lord We've gone through um, and grown through two horrific elections, a third one coming, and um, <laughs> we've grown through racial upheaval in our city and actually gotten more diverse through it all. We've grown through a, a pandemic and our community got stronger through all of those things and to that I would say amen and praise the Lord. We had a false prophet come through and infiltrate our um, our community at one point in time and uh and i've shared this story before um, but he said he had a word from god for me and um and so i grew up in more of a pentecostal like charismatic background and, and i believe in the word of god and and that some people like god sometimes gives people stuff and um so i went and met with this guy and he gave this horrific horrific thing that um i almost quit and it was because it was so bad that i was like oh my gosh like i need to quit and I was a wreck for a long period of time. And um, months and months and months, I, it, it shook me to my very core. And, um, and now the, the first few days were, were the worst part of it. And I couldn't stop crying. And I couldn't, like, it was just a terrible um, couple of days. And we had peop some people in the church, some of you guys in the church. And then um, one of my spiritual, like, mentors, um, like, helped kind of lift me out of it. And um, they helped try to give me some better perspective to just get me, like, grounded before, you know, it took a little bit while for me to, I think, be made whole uh, from that. But um, that happened, and, like, and then soon after that, my spiritual mentor took his own life. And um, uh, within just a few days of that um, happening, and so there was this huge kind of thing that happened. Through all of that, as horrific as it all was, and... and I still look at it and think, man, but the goodness of God, there was something so significant that happened. The goodness of God that has transpired since that moment that helped shape some things in our community that wouldn't have happened had I not had to go through some of that stuff. Even losing my, my mentor, that was not good, uh, still not good. Um, but even through that piece, I'm like, wow, I said the goodness of God in that moment was the fact that I got to spend time with him right? Um, none of that was good. None of his death was good. But the fact that I got to have him in my life w was good. And his memory and things that he helped shape in me still carry on um, to this day. And to that I would say amen and what? The story of um, 
our discipleship and seeing how many people have been transformed by what's happening and uh, um, the, the things that you guys like participate in and watching our community grow. And um, we don't want to be known um, or famous for how many people attend here. We want to be known for our humidity, humility and our faithfulness and our discipleship. And um, yes, that does attract people, of course, but it's not about that. It's about the depth that's growing in our community. And we begin to see this and, and the amount of people like, that's shifting and changing in our discipleship tracks that we have going on, I would just say amen and what? This building in and of itself, you're part of a larger story. Um, actually, let me talk about one other thing first. And we had this dream um, years and years ago about wanting a day school or a preschool or a child development center. And we've been talking about it for a long period of time. And, um, and then uh, uh, just a few months ago, um, we were approached by uh, a, a day school that um, they were going to close. And they asked us if we wanted to buy it. And, um, and so we closed on that July 1st. And, um, and to which I would say amen and praise the Lord. Yeah. But that's not our whole story. You see, our, our story is a part of another story. In 2008, right around there, um, uh, Lacey and I were in New York School of Urban Ministry, sitting up in New York City with some other people. And this guy named Peter was sharing this story about what they needed for churches. And that he would hope that there would be more churches who would sit closer to the county city line. Um, and uh, because if they could get more hubs of churches and kind of build out of that, it was so much easier to go out of that. Because you, had, um, you were in reach of a lot of different kinds of people. Um, wealthy and, and the underserved and a lot of different ethnicities and, and, and races. And, and it's like, man, if we can get more churches to do that, and he kind of draws this big picture and everything, and, and Lace and I are just like stoked. We're so excited. Um, the people we were with weren't. And we felt this, which is okay. It just wasn't a part. That's fine. Um, but there's like this burning thing inside of us that we're just like, we, this is like what we're supposed to do. And so he draws this huge picture, and, and we kind of just stored it away for years. Well, when we planted the church, and years after we planted the church, um, we've always known that we're on the county city line, but one day we were looking at the plot of land and the, the uh, kind of bird's eye view of this building, and the bird's eye view of this building was the exact picture that he drew that, that day. And I'm like, Whoa. I mean, it like floored us in that moment to, to, to think that God had put something on our heart in New York City with this like crazy guy from Brooklyn, and, um, which was like super fun. But in that moment, like, we were the only ones in that room that were kind of feeling it because, like, it was like God had just put it on our hearts. It was nothing against anyone else there. It was just God had put it on our hearts. And, and to that I would say amen and praise the Lord. But even that story is not a part of the bigger story. You see, there's a story of this building um, where uh, you turn the organization that um, owns this building, you know, started over 30 years ago. And the guy that started it had this huge heart to want to see athletes um, be discipled and come to know Jesus. And um, he and a couple other men um, started this. And, um, and then they had a bunch of people, men and women, uh, just praying in this building, walking this building, um, desiring that this building and this space would be a place that people would come to know Jesus, that it would be a hub for the message of the gospel to go out because it's such good news. And, and so um, it became like, like the heart of what this was supposed to be. And it was like this massive deal. And, and so um, 
they had this vision and they had some ups and downs in the midst of this and, and, and it took uh, a long time for some of this stuff to come, come through and, and uh, there were a lot of people that had to come into play that kept praying and praying and praying and praying that God would do. But year after year, things started struggling and they would have like a good year and then maybe a couple not so good years and then eventually they had a lot of not so good years. In the midst of all these prayers, um, recently uh, the founder of the organization uh, called me and he was just asking me about what's going on in the church and, and we were talking and, um, and, and he said this, he said, hey, uh, I think it's your turn. He's no longer involved in all this, but he's like, it, it's your turn. Uh, the heart of this community, what's happening in your church, it's, it's your turn. One of the other board members uh, and I were talking one day, and he, he said, what if, what if the struggles that have happened here, and you guys coming in here, um, what if it was kind of set up as part of the story that you could remember the struggle that got to this flourishing life part, and now it's your turn, you guys, to, to take this. And so um, a, week a, half ago, a week and a half ago, um, we signed the papers to actually purchase this building, which is like, yeah. It's really great. And to that I would say amen and praise the Lord. But this space will never be about us and never has been about us. Um, in the future of this building, it will be called the Commons, and the tagline for this building will be uh, for the good of Richmond. And um, our name won't even be on it. Um, Hill City will meet here, um, but it's not about us. It's about the work of Jesus for the good of Richmond. And so we will um, partner with people. We will, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen, a lot. Um, and um, a, a lot of ideas are out there now, and there's some things that are going to formulate over the next couple of months. And we'll give you guys drawings and all those things of, of what's going to transpire. Um, but another really cool part of this is uh, over the years, we've looked for space for churches our size. And, and at a minimum, at a minimum, uh, would be about 10 or 11 million bucks um, to be able to house us. Um, it would get often more than that. And every, every time we were like, nah, we're good. <laughs> and uh, um, we only have to raise 3 million for this. And, uh, and I say that um, because I want you guys to just process this for a second. With the amount of people we have in our church, the amount of households, get this. If every household every household, gave 50 bucks a month for the next three years, just 50 bucks a month or 600 bucks a year, um, 50 bucks a month, we would raise the money we would need in three years. That's it. Amen. I mean, think about that. Just 50 bucks a month from every household and more than what you do now. That's it. And so this is a big moment for us as a church. Not because it's a building, um, but because what I think what God wants to do out of this building, it's a, it's a big moment. To, we'll bring the child care center here. We're going to have a counseling center. We're going to have a bunch of partnerships. We're going to, like, it's going to be such a beautiful, beautiful space for the kingdom of God um, that will be used every day of the week to share the good news of Jesus. And so, um, again, this is not about us, but man, it's our turn to step in and be a part of what God wants to do because something really cool is happening. And so um, on your chairs, and so we're going to start today, like kind of this idea of the 50 bucks a month deal. Um, on your chairs, um, or not, not the dad jokes, um, but the, <laughs> the, QR, the QR codes um, that are on the chairs, um, that links directly into 
um, an area uh, uh, where we can begin to kind of pledge what we're going to give. And so you'll see um, what you have to do. It might be a little confusing, but, um, on the, but this bank's made it this way. Um, you put in the pledge of, like, say, $1,800. All right, and so that's over three years, and then you click on the drop down, it'll say per month, and then it does the math for you, and it says 50 bucks a month. And then you have a chance to, if you want to start now or start later, whatever. Um, you can determine all of that stuff and the payment method and everything else. But it's so easy, it's um, on the QR code, it probably takes you about a minute to set it up and to do. Um, and um, some of you guys might want to do more than that. Some of you guys might have the ability to do way more than that. And some of you guys might be in a space where you're just like, man, I can't do that, but I can do this, right? Um, but all of us coming together can make this happen. And to that, I would say amen. And praise the Lord. Band, you guys can come back up. I'm over my time and we're going to run late. Uh, well, we're late. Um, but we're, um, we're going to sing two more songs together. And uh, one's going to be to celebrate at the end. But one, I want us to sing about the goodness of God first. Because what's transpired for us as a church is about the goodness of God, ultimately. It's about your story and our stories coming together and part of this larger story of what God wants to do. And so, yeah, we've got to raise money and we've got to do all that stuff. But we're not going to be about that because what we're going to be is about the goodness of God. Because I know when we're about the goodness of God, these other things naturally follow. And um, so what I want you to do is now bow your heads here for a minute. I want you to think about your story. Your story that um, God has been shaping. Your story. Think about his goodness in your life, no matter what season you're in, about his goodness. So God, um, We celebrate today. We celebrate Father's today. Um, we celebrate Juneteenth tomorrow, what that means. We celebrate what you want to do in our community as a part of this new revival, this new season, this pivot point for us. And we celebrate all of these things because of your goodness. God, we think about our stories and about your goodness, that you've never left us, you've never forgotten us, that you've given us so much grace, so much mercy, so much joy, even in the midst of pain. How you've taken our shame and, and reshaped everything for our identity. And to that, God, we say amen. And praise the Lord. You stand and sing.